0: Xbox on welcome to Xbox on a podcast with one host about one console Xbox I am said host Jesse DeRosa and on today's episode we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of December 31st 2020 including no actual Xbox news we go over our favorite Xbox games and Xbox moments of 2020 and more finally made it to the end of 2020 literally the very very end this episode is going live well i'm recording it wednesday night december 30th but it'll go live on december 31st the morning of new year's eve of course so the the absolute last day you could possibly do anything in a year is the day this final episode of the year is going out so what i tell you guys i don't stop putting out content i'm just so goddamn amazing excuse me while i kiss my flabby arm muscles real quick but yeah welcome to the end i can't it's it's crazy to think that we're already at the end of 2020 but i guess it's probably something people say about every year at the uh, end of that year so nonetheless if you remember last week i i told you this week would be a little different and so here we are and it is different so let me go over what we're doing this week we're for the maybe for the first time ever not going to follow the traditional run of show or at least like include any of those segments whatsoever pretty much we're going to just skip all the news. There's like no news happening this week. There are a couple of really small stories we could get into if you want to actually like fall asleep. But there's nothing really of notice other than, you know, some rumors going around about Ubisoft Connect coming to Game Pass, which is pretty unsubstantiated at this point. It seems like a lot of major outlets aren't even picking up that story. So maybe we can save that for next week. But this week, I really wanted to take this really slow holiday week to do a retrospective. And so last week I asked for you guys to write in with your favorite moments, games, and Xbox related things of 2020, and a lot of you wrote in with uh, you know some varied takes and, and kinds of uh, feedback as pertains to that question try to leave it open-ended so you guys could just kind of have creative freedom to say whatever you wanted to say about xbox for the year of 2020 whether that be favorite games you played ranking them some favorite moments or just personal memories i don't know just interesting stories so we're going to go through all of that so it's going to be kind of like a glorified comment section where we go through all of those and kind of talk about them and and have our little retrospective about the year of 2020 in gaming and then after that I'll go over my favorite games I played on Xbox this year as well as some notable moments uh, in, uh, in Xbox history that happened this year. After that, we'll probably wrap it up with some regular comments because I, I always love to get into those, but that's basically the plan for this week. If you were looking for some news, sorry, there really isn't any. I, could, I guess I could have created some news. I could have made up stories. If you're here strictly for the news, I could have just made up some stories. Maybe I could have said uh, Xbox buys Zanga. So they can bring uh, Don Matrix back into the Xbox fold. Although I don't think he's at Zynga anymore. I don't even think Zynga's at Zynga anymore. But anyway, let's stop peddling around and actually get into it. So, oh, actually, I have one more little note I want to make before we actually jump into things. And that is that next week... Uh, next week's a really obnoxiously stressful week for me. Um, so normally I record the show every Wednesday it goes live Thursday. Uh, but next week I'm going to be recording a day early. Nothing's going to change for you actually because the podcast is still going to go live Thursday morning like it always does. But I'm actually going to record it a day early Tuesday night instead of Wednesday because I've just got a lot of stuff happening Wednesday, Thursday with work and everything. And I need to buy myself some time. I think this kind of works out nicely because next week probably won't be a very busy week for news either. Usually it's the last half of December and the first half of January pretty dead. So I'm not expecting for this one day of the news cycle being cut out to really make a difference in the show. But who knows? I'm making this be known to you because I want you to be aware that if for some reason, you know, I record Tuesday night and then next Wednesday, Microsoft buys Sony and then, Launches all the PlayStation executives into Outer Orbit. Just understand the reason why I'm not covering that story on the show is because I recorded a day early and that happened on Wednesday, not Tuesday. So that's all I want to say. The, nothing changes for you. The show still goes live, same day, same time. But I'm just recording a day earlier. Um, okay, with all that out of the way, let's jump into this week's topic, this this final little Uh, 2020 best of moments retrospective thing so these are the comments i got from you guys in response to that that call that that call to action last week um and we're going to start off with og man man who says hey jesse we finally made it man i've been listening since the beginning of march every week and here we are at the end of the year let's keep it going for another congrats to you thank you and you say my top three favorite games of the year are one halo the master chief collection All the updates and improvements this year have finally given us what we thought we were getting when we bought the game a couple years ago, and I love it. Number two, Battletoads, and I've brought this up to you before. Me and my six-year-old blew through the game in one sitting together, and it was just one of those moments we've had together. It was just one of my favorite moments we've had together. And three, Gears Tactics. I just started this a few weeks ago, so it might be recency bias, but man, this game is fucking fun. It's my first XCOM-type game, and wow, I'm really enjoying it. I know you and I typically have the same taste in games, and I didn't think I'd like it at first so if you feel that way at, at least just give it a try for level one it's easy to jump in and out of each level like a puzzle so it just feels so good when you and it just feels so good when you beat it I'm actually glad you you mentioned that because Gears Tactics is this game I keep staring at that I have downloaded on my hard drive and I just still haven't given a try yet and it's for that very reason so I keep thinking like Man, I'm probably not going to like this game, and I feel so obligated to try it because I like Gears of War, but I also don't think this is going to be my kind of game, especially when I just tried Wasteland 3, you know, when that came out a few months ago, and wasn't into that at all, although I wanted to be. I, I still like the setting and the idea and some of the writing. I just I just couldn't get into the game, so I, I'm going to take your word for it. I am planning on trying it. I'm just very busy with a couple things, and when it, when it, when I do have time for gaming, I'm very focused on something in particular at this moment i'm just kind of going through one of those weird phases where i'm just fixated on one thing only so i i'll take your word for it man i'm definitely planning on getting around to it but i'm glad i'm really glad you enjoyed it especially you know since like you mentioned like this isn't normally your type of game and that it kind of clicked for you. So that's really promising. And it makes me a little more excited to give it a try, but I, I like your list here. All Xbox console exclusives or all Xbox first party games, Battletoads, which I, I, I agree was also a really good game and master chief collection, master chief collection, which, you know, I'll never, ever, ever complain. If you're going to put halo on your list of best games of the year. So pretty solid list there. OG man, thanks for writing in. And I appreciate you being a, uh, a consistent listener and, in engager of the show. I, and, um, I don't know. Here's to another year of this this bullshit banter. Eric Masson comes in with our next one and says, I've always loved video games, but the pandemic has led to a new level of video game fandom I never thought I'd reach. I never listened to podcasts, but here I am in 2020, tuning in every week to Xbox Podcasts religiously. And I know, Eric, that when you say Xbox Podcasts, you really just mean my show And and probably Joe Rogan or something, because everyone listens to that. And then you say, COVID-19 is responsible for me becoming a fan of your podcast, so congrats on profiting off a global pandemic. Jesse, you capitalist. Goddamn right. Anyways, my top games of 2020 um, are Far Cry 3, or, or the Far Cry series games 3 through 5, including all the DLC maps. Had never played any of them until this year, and now they're some of my favorite games. Can't wait to kill Gus Fring in the sixth one. I don't know who that is, but I'm also looking forward to that game. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Well, thank you, Eric, for writing in. This is a really good one as well, because I think the, first of all, the top part of your comment, I think really touches on something that every gamer can speak to, to some extent, and then on top of that, I think a lot of new gamers or people who have, recently been introduced to gaming or reintroduced to gaming um can attest to which is that 2020 you know for what a shitty year it's been and you know it's so trite to say so at this point but yeah i mean it really has been a god-awful year like i got hit with some even more bad news this week that's been affecting me and it's just like i like if it were any other year or any other time I, i would have been pretty upset about some of the some of the news I learned this week, but it's just because 2020 has been such an unusually shitty year for everyone. My reaction was like, I'm, I can't even be upset. Like I just, you know, like unless, you know, God forbid, like someone I know and love, like is like deathly ill or, or, or passes or something. I don't think any bit of bad news or, or, you know, change could really, affect me any more negatively than I've already been affected by this year. So I'm like, whatever, I don't give a shit. But I mean, I only bring that up to say, you know, this is this has been a god awful year for pretty much everyone in a lot, a lot of ways. You know, everything about everyone's normal way of life has been changed, mostly for worse, with the exception of maybe like social distancing being a pretty awesome thing that I hope never goes away because I like personal space. But I think one thing that's undoubtedly benefited and become better as a result of COVID or maybe not better, but like been given more spotlight is gaming. It's like in it's it's kind of an awesome, convenient thing for us as, you know, fans of video games is that, you know, there's been more time allotted to gaming since a lot of us are either working from home or when we have free time are kind of limited in the things we can do. Although maybe it doesn't seem that way as much nowadays because it seems like for the most part people are just trying to go back to normal. But I don't know. It just feels like this year a lot, a lot of people were reintroduced to gaming or introduced for the first time or just found more time for gaming. And that's one of the things that made this such a fun year or fun year for Xbox, I should say. Pretty much awful for everything else. But fun year for Xbox is that, you know, not only was it a console launch year, but it was a year of just like, an extra heightened focus on gaming and an extra amount of time, free time allotted to gaming. You know, a lot of people were on furlough or laid off this year, which allowed people, a lot of time to game. I know I had some things with work happen to me that allowed me more timing for gaming at certain points throughout the year, which were actually turned out to overall be kind of a blessing for me. And I don't know. I think, I think it's, it's cool. I don't know. It's cool that like you never listen to podcasts or gaming podcasts or anything like that. And now 2020 brought you to that point, and, you know, a lot of people probably thought, you know, gaming was something they left behind once they turned, like, 14, and probably this year bought a PlayStation or an Xbox and got, you know, rediscovered a love for gaming, and I just think it's really cool that despite all the really awful shit that's happened this year, a lot of people were able to glean something positive from it, you know, and in the form of video games, which is... I don't know, to me, from the perspective of someone who loves video games, who, whose, you know, hobbies and, and kind of general mind are just c- constantly consumed by this shit, it is, uh, it's fun to see because, I mean, can you imagine if this year, if this was just like the year of like, I don't know, like Brussels sprouts and like ab workouts? Can you imagine if that's what it was? Like there was a global pandemic and then just like everyone became like super into like fucking eating cauliflower and, and doing like, like abdominal workouts or something? That would have been, That would have been the worst fucking year ever. But thankfully, video gaming took the sting off a lot of the the shit Sunday that we were served this year uh, by the dear Lord himself. And then, yeah. And then the second part of what you say here with your top games, you mentioned the Far Cry series. Really cool that you that you got into them this year. I envy that a little bit because I had kind of a similar story. I jumped into the Far Cry series for the first time when Far Cry 4 came out. And I always say that a person's favorite Far Cry game is the first one they play. I know for a lot of people it was Far Cry 3, but for me, it's the fourth one. I think the fourth entry is kind of a masterpiece game, and I think even on the show, I've gone into it sometimes about just like so many of the things I love about that game with its story, and its really unique method of storytelling, and it's really awesome setting, and that that game's just a, an insane amount of fun, and I really, really love Far Cry 4, including its awesome uh, Yeti DLC. Far Cry 3 is also awesome. I, retroactive, I, I retroactively went back and beat that game and loved it as well, and Far Cry 5... Eh, I, Far Cry 5 disappoints me a lot. Um, it's still a pretty good game, but I find it to be significantly less exciting than 3 and 4. But it is it is still a fun game. So, I don't know. It's cool to see you get into Far Cry. I envy that a little bit. I kind of wish I could erase my experience with that series and re, retry them all for the first time as well. But nonetheless, that's a pretty great series to dive into You know, in a year where there's a lot of extra time for gaming. And we're not too far away from Far Cry 6. I think it's what it got delayed to like what March? I don't fucking know. Whatever. I don't really think about game release dates until like we're pretty damn close to them, with the exception of like Halo. So, anyway, our next comment comes from Mr. Miggy, who says, My favorite games that I played this year are Star Wars Battlefront 2, Doom Eternal, Immortals Phoenix Rising, Modern Warfare, Cyberpunk, and Red Dead Redemption 2. Also, a while back, you mentioned that you drive a Honda Hybrid, so I'm going to guess that it's either a Clarity or an Insight, or the Honda Accord Hybrid. Well, Mr. Miggy, you're wrong about all three. I drive a Honda CRZ. It is that tiny little two-door coupe Honda Hybrid. It is the only hybrid in the United States that you can buy with a manual transmission, and so that was a huge draw for me as a little not so much these days as i get into like my mid 20s but especially when i was in middle school and high school and just growing up being a kind of fair weather car fan i've uh, i've always been a little bit of a honda fanboy always wanted a cool souped up manual transmission honda civic like si or type r or something like that but when I, I i don't know i'm also really into like electrics and things like that so the honda crz is the little car i drive bought it about 4 years ago 5 years ago 4 years ago I don't know, but, uh, it's a, it's, it's a good little car. It's fun. It's like this sporty, but also painfully slow for what it is kind of hybrid. That's, uh, just a lot of fun to drive. It's got a nice little gearbox that you can slap around because it's a Honda and it's super forgiving and it's, uh, it's, it's just, it's got fun handling and I love it, but close enough, I guess i never see the Honda clarity. It's funny that you mentioned that. I I literally never see, I see like one Honda clarity on the road, uh, like a year. I don't. I don't know, maybe where you live they're more common, but I don't even think they make the Honda Accord hybrid anymore, do they? I don't whatever. Anyway, thanks for riding in with that. But it looks like you like a lot of open world stuff and a lot of first person shooter stuff. You got Star Wars Battlefront, Doom Eternal, Modern Warfare, Cyberpunk, Red Dead, and Immortals Phoenix Rising. I have a feeling that Immortals Phoenix Rising is one of those games that's maybe gonna get a lot of a lot of fanfare in retrospect, but maybe right now isn't doing so well now that's new and coming out the gate. Because it seems like the few people that are playing it are really, really into it. And not a lot of people are playing it overall, which just seems like kind of a shame. I'm pretty interested in it. I definitely want to give it a try. I just don't know when that'll be. It gives me a little bit. I know it's like Ubisoft's Zelda Breath of the Wild. Zelda Breath of the Wild but I kind of see it as like their Kid Icarus and I really like Kid Icarus that's one of my favorite Nintendo franchises that Nintendo refuses to do anything with so I, I I'm interested in the game from that perspective but some nice inclusions there some Doom Eternal Modern Warfare I wish you put Black Ops but that's okay Cyberpunk Red Dead Redemption 2 very good choice but yeah thanks for riding in with that Mr. Miggy and then next we got Joe Murphy who says well, Merry Light Christmas or Happy New Year's to you. So far, since I'm new to the Xbox this year, I like playing Forza Horizon 4, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, Halo the Master Chief Collection, Cyberpunk 2077, Minecraft Dungeons with my kids, etc. Love the show. Well, thank you for riding in with that. Those are all great options, and you know what's really great about that is everything you mentioned there, with the exception of uh, Cyberpunk, are all Game Pass games, so if you're new to the Xbox, um... It's pretty freaking awesome that, you know, you can buy an Xbox, get a subscription to Game Pass, which I assume you have, and then just have access to an immediately awesome collection of games that can really help inundate you with the ecosystem and and explain to you why Xbox is such a fun and loving platform where families come together and romances blossom. And then uh, we're seeing a little trend here. A lot of you guys are liking Cyberpunk. It seems like, despite all the negative press... Despite all the hating just for the sake of hating and the botched launch on on CD Project Red's behalf, it seems like a lot of people are still enjoying the game anyway, which doesn't really surprise me. Uh, that's you know, I was having a conversation with my friend Hunter who pretty much was in agreement with me that this is this is probably one of those things where it's mostly just, you know, the internet blowing up for the sake of having something to freak out over, but the reality is the game is probably a lot more playable and enjoyable and, and um, complete than most are making it out to be. At least, you know, if you're playing on anything like a Xbox Series X or a Xbox One X or a PC, of course. Uh, of course, it, it does seem like a pretty unfortunate story for the OG Xbox One and PS4 gamers. But I, I'm I'm sure that there are a lot more people enjoying this game and not having massive issues with it than uh then the conversation, so to speak, is is letting on, is what I mean. But glad to see you've been enjoying that along with some other great games. And welcome to the e- Xbox ecosystem. I hope 2021 will be the next of many, many years of Xbox gaming for you and that uh, we'll be able to talk more and more about the awesome, badass kickbox Xbox games that you play in the, following, in the following years. Jay comes in and says, I'm going to list five games that I had the most fun with. That either A, I had the most fun with, or B, that got me through this year. This is a good one. I like this kind of premise. First one you said is, New Super Lucky's Tale. This was a game my four-year-old daughter loved so much that we shared many hours playing. That's a good one. Uh, Jedi Fallen Order. Wasn't the greatest of games, but it felt like Star Wars, and I got to use a lightsaber and force powers. Next, you had Cyberpunk. You say you have clocked about 35 hours already and barely scratched the surface of the main campaign. One of your favorite genres. Gears 5 finally got around to it, and it reignited your love for the series. That's a good one. And then finally you got the Master Chief Collection was your go-to whenever 2020 tried to get the better of you. That's a pretty solid list. I think we're also seeing a trend here where a lot of you guys are into the Master Chief Collection, which means I think the people who are attracted to the show are maybe Halo fans, so that's a good thing. That means I'm among sane rational human beings but yeah i actually like your list here jay you got new super lucky's tale i haven't played new super lucky's tale i just played the regular lucky's tale i actually played it earlier this year and i agree that game was a lot of fun i feel like i feel like that game was you know it's nothing like super groundbreaking but it was um, a pretty great time all things considered and i feel like it didn't maybe get enough attention because it's just i don't know just it really captured the kind of unplug your brain fun but in a you know like charismatic and, and, and charming little fun character platformer. And I think we need more of that these days. And uh, just, you just haven't seen a lot of it lately. So that's that's a nice game to play. And I also agree with you here on Jedi Fallen Order. That's a really good game, but it's not the greatest of games. I feel like Jedi Fallen Order gets a little too much, too much love and hype surrounding it. Like, I liked the game. I love Respawn. They're one of my favorite developers. I didn't find the game to be like, like knock your dick off like amazing like i found it to be pretty good but it wasn't like it's not like oh my god this is the new standard for like a third person action game or a star wars game it's like i played better third person action games i played better star wars games i've played better souls like games i don't know but it, it, it is a great game and it is definitely worth a full playthrough so and yes the, the lightsaber does feel great in that game cyberpunk Again with the with the whole, I th- I think people are just enjoying Cyberpunk. It's a lot to do about nothing. With maybe maybe that's not really fair because there are some people who are seriously having issues with this that they own like a base Xbox One. But it, it does seem like for the most part there are lots and lots of people who are able to have some fun with that game, despite you know what what the conversation might lead you to believe. Gears Five, a very very phenomenal game. Glad you got around to it in the Master Chief Collection. Well, what more needs to be said about that? All right. And then next, Sam Torres jumps in and says, Merry and Happy Christmas and New Year's, Jesse and Josiah. My game of 2020 is a bit dated. Assassin's Creed Origin. Yeah, the Egypt one. It was my go-to during the hours and hours and weeks and months of lockdown. I went all over BFE looking for anything and killing hippos or crocodiles. Also, in regards to eating, I've been hitting up IHOP for their their Hoppy Hour daily from 2 to 10. $5 Five dollar cheeseburgers with fries is really special. Didn't expect it to resemble the burger they usually sell for eight to ten bucks, but what the hell? It sure does. And IHOP at eight PM on our side of the town of town is deserted enough to formulate world conquest plans uh, that and nobody would give a damn. As for Cyberpunk, I feel like I played the best quality control hour and fifteen of it. No glitches. I quit after that. Great experience so far. Uh, I'll get back to it after Egypt and Ukulele Impossible Lair uh, gets me fed up. So, again, there with the cyberpunk, good things to say about it. I think we're seeing a trend there. Assassin's Creed Origin, what a what an interesting pick. This is exactly why I wanted to have this segment, was for picks like this, Sam, because... I don't know, I, I'm sure I've said this on the show many times before, Assassin's Creed is not my game. Not old Assassin's Creed, not new Assassin's Creed. There's no Assassin's Creed. The only way you can make me want to play an Assassin's Creed game is if it's like, oh, it's the new Assassin's Creed, but it's set in modern day Tokyo and you run around as Sonic the Hedgehog trying to save Master Chief from from fucking, I don't know, like Princess Peach or something like that. That's the Assassin's Creed where I'm like, uh, okay, fuck it, you got me. I'll, I'll pre-order your $90 Deluxe Edition. But other than that, I don't really give a shit about Assassin's Creed, so I really appreciate this comment because it allows us to bring to light another game that one isn't a 2020 game. So it does, you know, just bring to date, bring to light how 2020 was a year of catching up on the backlog, playing games that just looked interesting or felt right, it didn't have to be the new and hot thing. And then it also brings to light a franchise that I don't normally get to cover because it's not really my wheelhouse. So it's it's nice getting to bring these kinds of things to light. I appreciate you riding in with that. Assassin's Creed Origins, I mean, I mean, it seems like people are really enamored with Assassin's Creed again as a franchise. Like, the franchise was clearly getting a lot of fatigue towards, you know, the 2015-2016 entries, and then they kind of went dark for a little bit, and by a little bit, I think I think they just took a single year off. Uh, but then, you know, they came back with these massive open-world Assassin's Creed games. They did what Odyssey Origins, and now Valhalla, or whatever it's called and uh yeah, it seems like people are just really digging this new reincarnation of Assassin's Creed, and I'm glad to see it's it's taking good care of you, now on to more important things, you do mention this IHOP Hoppy Hour, I had no idea this existed, now I need to look into this, because I need to find out if the local IHOPs around here are doing Hoppy Hour because if I can get a $5 cheeseburger and fries, and it's like the full regular meal deal, like that's a that's a fucking steal, you know like, two cheeseburgers and fries for 10 bucks, you know, like that's a that's some Burger King deal right there kind of shit, but at your IHOP, and i very intrigued by that, so I would love to look into that a little further. Thank you for making me aware of this. Thank you for helping me get to my goal of being diabetic and, and having heart disease at age 30 just that much quicker, so I do appreciate that, but mostly thank you for riding in, and I appreciate your uh comments hope you have a great new year's and we'll see you in 2021 now zeke robinson a uh a writer who almost never chimes in anymore someone who used to chime in but according to his youtube picture it looks like he has a vr unit stuck to his face so maybe that's why he hasn't been really active on the show is he's been trying to figure out how to get this thing off his fat fucking head but anyway zeke comes in and says just straight up no 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 preamble or anything. He just gets right down to brass tacks. He goes, one, Ghost Runner, two, Doom Eternal, three, Risk of Rain 2, four, Super Mario All-Stars, and five, Hades. So first of all, let me just say, if you're going to do a countdown, start from five and go to one, Zeke. Don't go one to five. That's fucking stupid, okay? Have you ever gone to the Oscars and they're just like, all right, and the award for best picture goes to blank. And they're like, okay, now that we got that out of the way, we can finally go over, you know, best supporting actress and... And, uh, uh, lighting and sound design and all that shit. And then they get the small stuff out of the way, learn how to do a countdown. It's 2020. Okay. Learn how to do a goddamn countdown. But, uh, yeah, these are some good picks here just because Well, one Hades is a game that I've only recently really started to hear a bunch about, but it seems like people love the hell out of that game. So it's something I'm interested in checking out, but it's, it's crazy how, like, apparently it's been out for a minute and people are just loving the hell out of it. And I just didn't know it was a, a thing, Super Mario All Stars, I don't know if you know this, but that's kind of a Nintendo game, but uh, fuck you. And then three, you put Risk of Rain 2, which is a nerd game. Two, you put Doom Eternal, which is pretty solid. And then one, you put Ghost Runner, which is a game I really do plan on getting around to at some point, but let's be honest, I'm a Black Ops guy now. Next, Lethal Migraine jumps in and says, Favorite games of 2020? Well, and, and he follows in Zeke's footsteps of starting with number one for some reason. Number one, Tetris Effect. Two, Cyberpunk. Three, Bright Memory. 4, Mafia 2 Definitive, and 5, Clash Royale. You say, sure, it's a mobile game, but there is no game I spent more time playing, which is a, that's a fair point. You know, favorite games of 2020, this isn't like what is technically the best game, you know, objectively the most artistic, inspirational, effective game that, that pushed the industry forward. This is just the games you really got a kick out of, and fuck, if you were enjoying Clash Royale on your phone, you got a lot of enjoyment out of it, you put a lot of hours into it over the course of 2020, then you know who gives a shit? Who cares where your entertainment's coming from as long as uh, as long as you're enjoying it, right? Mafia Two Definitive Edition that's a that's a new one we haven't heard. Bright Memory, I played that when the Xbox Series X first came out, so looks like at least one other person played it, so I'm not alone there. Really cool, interesting game. Cyberpunk, we're seeing that Cyberpunk seems to be the number one pick. Seems like the runaway success. It looks like roughly the, the top three reoccurring ones are Doom or Doom Eternal. Halo Master Chief Collection, and Cyberpunk, which is a pretty solid run of games, and then lastly, you got Tetris Effect, which you've written in on the show a number of times, That's like kind of your jam, so I'm glad you're getting a kick of that, number one, that's a, that's some high praise for Tetris Effect, I need to get back to that game, It, it, it is really pretty and fun, and then lastly, my brother writes in, and unlike the previous two commenters, my brother understands that you start with number five, and you work your way up to, you work your way down to one, you start soft and you go you end hard you get hard okay that's how that's how list is done plebeians so Josiah says number five Assassin's Creed Valhalla number four Minecraft Dungeons three Immortals Phoenix Rising two Resident Evil three and one Doom Eternal again there we see Doom Eternal making an appearance Resident Evil three that's a new one we haven't seen Immortals Phoenix Rising making its second list Minecraft Dungeons is a great pick and Assassin's Creed Valhalla while I can't agree with you on this list, I can agree that it is your list. So thank you for writing in with that little baby brother. All right, guys. So those are those are the audience's picks and moments and memories of 2020 and gaming and things they liked and all that good shit. I appreciate to all you who wrote in. And if I always find it funny when someone's like painfully late. So if you want to just write in with your contribution or your top games or moments or whatever of the year and just be really late about it maybe we can read it on next week's show feel free to do that guys but before we can do that i gotta gotta jump into my games what about me where's my list so i have two things i want to do i want one to do my top five games i played of 2020 and two i want to do like my notable moments and things and kind of have a little discussion surrounding that i guess that'll be kind of the main segment of the show if you will but yeah my top five games and i ranked mine as well actually i'm in no position to judge Lethal migraine or Zeke because I actually put mine in order of three, two, one, four, five because I just wrote them as they came to mind and then I ranked them. So my my order is fucked up. But you know what? I'm a man of of great culture and I find solutions to the problems I face. So let me read them from five to one so that it's not a jumbled mess and you can make sense of this all. I put number five. This is this is the one. This is the only one on the list that I would say like can definitely change. Um, I'm not entirely married to this one that I put here, but you know, I thought about it all day today. And I was like, yeah, I guess, I guess this is my number five. But yeah, Battletoads, and I would never have expected to put this here, but Battletoads is. And keep in mind, I'm, I'm not putting on my anything on PlayStation or Nintendo. This is just my Xbox games of the year. But my top five favorite Xbox games. I'm ra- I'm, I'm starting off with number five, Battletoads. I feel really bad for this game because uh, studio Delala um, based out of somewhere in the UK, my bad, I forget. Um, but they, uh, they did an amazing job with this game. I, uh, I, I, you know, downloaded it out of obligation, booted it up expecting to maybe get through level one and be like, okay, enough of that. But they really knocked it out of the park with this, uh, with this game, man. Like, first of all, the The writing is super funny and the whole game is just like one long, awesome Saturday morning cartoon. And they totally understand, I don't know, the game has this perfect balance of like genuine humor and like self-awareness and just, you know, just like good characters that play off one another really well. And it's just a really funny, lighthearted beat-em-up game with really varied gameplay. You know, it's not all just side-scrolling brawler levels. There's the the whatever speeder bike levels whatever they're called and there's the uh all the little like mini game levels and all the fun boss fights and just there's just so much varied gameplay and there's like twin stick space shooter levels and there's just so much variety in the gameplay in this short you know three to four hour game that the whole game just feels like this constantly changing new experience that's like really carried by the story and the writing and, and the new ways to play. And that's not something you would normally say about a 2D side-scroller brawler. And I, I, I just don't know what to say about Battletoads. It's like, the combat's really good. It's it's tough, but fair. And, you know, it has a variety of difficulty modes. It has really fun writing. It's, it's the perfect length. And it's a phenomenal game for co-op. You know, I, I know a couple of you mentioned that you played it, like, with with a with a child or a friend or something like that and I you know I agree it's the perfect game to sit down with your kid or sit down with a friend or a a partner and play through together it's just a really fun game in fact I'm gonna go as far to say something that's really bold that I actually prefer you know and I only compare the two because they're both at least associated with xbox heavily um but I, i'll go ahead and say i prefer battletoads to cuphead and i know you know cuphead was such a phenomenon when it came out because the art sound you know i'll never take that away from cuphead that game is an amazing beautiful work of art because of the animation the art in that game like i'll never try to take that away like i love that game for that reason alone but from a gameplay perspective and a pure enjoyment perspective I got so much more out of Battletoads than I got out of Cuphead. Um in fact I still have never finished Cuphead. But that's beside the point. Like I just I, I don't know. I just have so much love for Battletoads and it makes me really, really sad that this game just kind of came and went without so much as a peep from pretty much anyone. Not not in this audience in particular, but just like generally it seemed like no one gave a shit. And we'll get we'll get into that later, um, with one of my notable moments of twenty twenty. But I don't know. I, I feel really bad, you know, for the teams behind that game that you know, between rare and Delala studios that the game just didn't get more press and, and attention and, and hands on. And, and maybe it did, you know, it is a game pass game. So just statistically, a lot of people probably downloaded and played it just cause access, you know, but I don't know. I, I wish the game got a little more of the air and in, in conversation this year, because I think it really is a super fun, nice two sitting weekend, kind of friend couch, lighthearted game. And, uh, I wish we had more things like this. I'm really hoping that this isn't the last we've seen of the Battletoads because I was really, really pleasantly surprised with what we got. Uh, for my number four, and, and from here on out, I'm pretty confident in the placement of these, these last four. But for number four, I put Black Ops Cold War. And you guys know I've been saying for the past couple of weeks, I'm on some really fucking weird Black Ops kick right now where like I don't want to play anything other than Call of Duty Black Ops. Like I played Black Ops Cold War and it, Somehow reignited my old, long dormant love for the Call of Duty franchise that I used to have as a child. In particular, the Treyarch games, the World at War, the Black Ops games, all that, and it's really just sent me down this rabbit hole of like I rebeat um, Black Ops Two, I replayed Black Ops One, I just in the mail got black ops 3 so i'm playing through that for the very first time and i'm actually loving that game too and i'm waiting on black ops 4 to come in the mail because i never played that one either and i'm actually feeling really sad now because i'm realizing that you know there's this there's this period from like 2012 to like roughly last year or now where i just kind of stopped really acknowledging call of duty and just kind of wrote it off as like this thing that's just not for me anymore and what i'm kind of realizing now is that I've just been playing the wrong Call of Duties consistently. Like, I skipped 2013, I played that Sledgehammer one in 2014, Advanced Warfare, and found it to be just okay, I liked the campaign. Um, then I skipped Black Ops 3, I skipped Infinite Warfare, I skipped Black Ops 4, you know, and I just played World War II, again, Sledgehammer. The thing is, like, the past generation, pretty much the only Call of Duties I played were the Sledgehammer games, and what I'm starting to think is maybe maybe there's a bigger difference in Call of Duty between developers than most people give credit for. Like, my brother was saying this, this past week, you know, oh, the thing about Call of Duty is, at the end of the day... Every Call of Duty is pretty much just the same as last. The Call of Duty community likes to get up in arms about how last year's entry was better, this year's entry sucks, they always do that, rinse, repeat, you know, like clockwork, they're always just bitching about something, but every Call of Duty, more or less, is the same fucking game, so if you like one of them, there's no reason why you shouldn't like, you know, whatever the latest one is, but I think he's actually extremely wrong about that, and in my experience as of late has really proven that, because... You know, I was a big Call of Duty player in the 360 days, as I assume many were. You know, Modern Warfare, Modern Warfare 2, World at War, Black Ops 1. These are some of, these are not only, you know, the best Call of Duty games, but these are just some of the best games on the Xbox 360, and I stand by that, that's, I really don't think that's pure nostalgia, I really think that's, like, just genuine fact, the, the fact that, like, these games were coming out, like, year after year, like, Modern Warfare, then we got World at War, then we got Modern Warfare 2, then we got Black Ops 1, like, that was just four years, back to back, of phenomenal Call of Duty games, and they were just, they're so good, like, and, and I'd argue, you know, like, especially Modern Warfare 1 and 2, and Black Ops 1, also, like, not only are they amazing multiplayer, amazing zombies, amazing campaign from a gameplay perspective, but they also tell really compelling and awesome stories. And you don't get that a lot with Call of Duty anymore. So, like, like I was really into Call of Duty at one point, you know, as many were. But pretty much ever since the the Xbox One came out, I just kind of dropped the franchise clean. You know, I, I didn't play I didn't play Ghost, which was the first one on Xbox One. And I just didn't really give a shit about the franchise. I only bought the the Sledgehammer entries, you know, Advanced Warfare and World War II, out of, out of curiosity, out of, like, interest for the campaign because I respected the developer. And what I'm realizing now, you know, now that I'm kind of falling back down the rabbit hole is, like, the reason why I had such a whatever experience with Call of Duty, you know, was because... I just didn't really enjoy the Sledgehammer games all that much. And if you've been listening to the podcast for a long time, you'll know last year I bought Modern Warfare 2019. And I actually really spoke very highly about that campaign. I stand by it. I think Modern Warfare 2019 has a really good campaign. It's one of the better Call of Duty campaigns in recent history. Um, but I, I fucking hate that game's multiplayer. And I really hate Warzone. I, I do not like... Modern Warfare at all outside of its campaign, and, and the longer that game goes on, the more and more I f- strongly I feel that way. That like I'm really starting to realize like my problem with the sledgehammer games is like the multiplayer just feels so it just feels so like samey and boring and safe. And then I I don't like the Infinity Ward Call of Duties because now those are starting to just feel like too realistic. The art style is like overly detailed to the point where it's just hard to see characters running around the map and and tell like trees apart from buildings apart from players running and it's just it's just like too focused on mechanics and realism and then the Treyarch art games you know now that i'm like running through the list and playing the new one and everything the Treyarch call of duty games still t- like to me feel like the best call of duties it feels like they focus on adding this like twist of like cartoony almost looking art style onto the onto the engine to make you know, to make the to make things stand out from one another so you can tell characters apart from inanimate objects and stuff and just make things, you know, kind of stand out in a map where things are just zipping by and running around and shooting and dying in one hit. And I just feel like, I don't know, there's just something about Treyarch's approach to design and weapons balancing and feel and shooting and art design that they just kind of nailed the balance just so that, like, when I play... Black Ops 3, which I'm playing for the first time now, when I I go back and play Black Ops 1 and 2, when I play Cold War, like I've been doing a lot lately, I realize it's like they still have the special sauce. They still, like the Treyarch Call of Duty games still feel like the addictive loop of Call of Duty gameplay I used to love so much back in the 360 days. And that's kind of what I'm realizing right now in this obsession. Oh my God, I can't believe I'm still talking about Black Ops Cold War. But the reason I put this game on the list is because even though I don't find it to be you know, like top three Call of Duties of all time. It is the game that helped get me back into the franchise and reintroduce me to it and helped me to explore it enough to understand why I was disconnected from this franchise for so long and what it was that I did and didn't like about the franchise. And, and, And so basically what I'm finding out is like, I'm just, I'm really into Treyarch's Call of Duty games. Like those are the ones that I seem to just get the most enjoyment out of. So I don't know, I'm just, I've been having a blast with Cold War, even though I take a lot of issue with it because this new approach to Call of Duty where it's like, you know, it's Infinity Ward's engine, but it's the Warzone parts have to be in there, and the multiplayer progression is shared with Modern Warfare, but the campaign's made by Raven, and it just, it doesn't feel like this cohesive Call of Duty experience like it used to you know like Black Ops 3 was or Infinite Warfare were probably like the last Call of Duties where it's like you know this is like the complete package like this is Infinity War's complete Call of Duty experience or you know Treyarch's complete Call of Duty experience I know they get lots and lots of help from support teams but like there's something about Black Ops Cold War that just doesn't feel like a complete you know it feels like a hodgepodge of like different teams elements shoved together into one package so in some in some ways i i don't like the game because i'm not crazy about you know the new engine that call of duty uses and in the shared assets with Warzone. the game the game feels like it has a little too much of modern warfare war modern warfare's like aesthetic and menu design and everything kind of puked onto this game and i'm not crazy about that but when i'm playing the moment to moment you know gunfights of multiplayer i gotta admit Black Ops Cold War is really fun, and it reminds me of what I loved about Call of Duty. And also, not to shit on the campaign, you know, with it being from Raven and not Treyarch, I think Cold War has a phenomenal campaign. It's one of the better Call of Duty campaigns in recent history, and it's it's actually so good that I've gone back and, like, replayed missions purely because I'm like, oh, that was a really fun mission. Let me try that one again. And I, I never do that with Call of Duty. I haven't done that with Call of Duty since, like, Black Ops 1. So that's, that's amazing. So I really love that game, not only because it's a lot of fun, uh, but because it, it kind of brought me back to a franchise that I've largely written off over the past generation of gaming, and it's uh, it's been fun and kind of nostalgic for me to fall back down the rabbit hole, and actually a little sad for me to realize that, like, all these great years of Black Ops 3 and Black Ops 4 and stuff passed me by, and I just wasn't playing them, because I was like, ah, I'm not a COD, I'm not a COD player anymore, and it's like, wow, like, I really missed the heydays of those games, because I just wasn't really giving him a chance, but nonetheless, really glad to have had this whole Call of Duty experience I've been going through as of late, so Black Ops 4 at number 4, or Black Ops Cold War at number 4, god damn, I did not mean to talk about Call of Duty that long, I'm sorry guys, next for my number 3 spot, and, and the rest will be a lot faster, but for number 3, I put Resident Evil 3 Remake, now this is a really weird one, because Resident Evil is a franchise I really don't mess with for the most part, uh, last year I played Resident Evil 7, I actually got about halfway through it before I got to a point where I was like, oh, I don't really know what to do here. I put it down and I just forgot to get back to it. And that's just kind of where I'm at with that. But my brother bought me Resident Evil 3 remake when it came out as like a, a birthday gift or something. He was like, hey, kid, just uh shut up and play this game. You're going to like it. I was like, oh, OK, whatever. Fuck it. Free game. And I was surprised how much I really, really loved Resident Evil 3 remake. And now take you know, understand I I didn't play Resident Evil 2 remake the year before when that came out, but I definitely plan on getting around to it at some point now. But yeah, like this is a this is a series. Resident Evil is a franchise that like I watched my brothers love all my life, you know, from the from a young age. I watched my older brothers and my younger brother just like be super into this franchise and me just generally not being much of a horror fan. Just being kind of like eye-rolly, I don't really give a shit, It's Resident Evil, it's not my thing, but I mean, I think I've become a lot more open-minded to these kinds of things the older and older I get, but yeah man, just something about this game, like every, it just, this game just really felt, it was such a a breath of fresh air, like I hadn't, like just, I mean there's plenty of games you play where it's like, okay, over the shoulder third person action shooter game with puzzle solving or something like that, you know. It's like, I played many games kind of like that with elements of this, but Resident Evil feels just like Resident Evil. There's nothing else I played this year that's really like Resident Evil. And it just it just felt super polished, super well put together. The game's length is perfect. I know a lot of people complain this game is short. I loved how short it was. It was like this perfect little six-hour game or whatever it was. And it's this perfect amount of like camp and action and, and just cool set pieces and just like spooky jump scare moments and great atmosphere and tone and setting. And I really, really loved my weekend with uh resident evil three remake. And I'm actually pretty grateful for my brother for kind of almost forcibly putting me onto it by being like, Hey, I just bought this for you. You have to play it fucker. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was a, it's a really great experience. And I think it's kind of turned me into something of a resident evil fan. And I look forward to eventually getting around to resident evil two remake, getting back to resident evil seven and completing it and playing future installments of the franchise. It's, it's definitely uh, something I'm, I'm kind of into now. And, I don't know. I thought I, I just thought that was really cool. I I, I always wish that there were more horror games that I was into. It's so rare I find a horror game. You know, before Resident Evil Three remake, I think the last horror game that spoke to me was first. God, what's it, what's that game called? Outlast. That was it. Yeah, yeah. Outlast. Man, and I played that at like the beginning of the Xbox One generation. So it's been a minute since I found a horror game that's really like spoke to me like that. Um, so I don't know. It's just it's it's really nice to have something to kind of be so unique and fit in that space where there usually isn't really something that I, I enjoy. So resident evil three, happy to have it on that list. It's such a weird one for me to have. And, uh, I, I hope I don't know that that was resident evil is really indicative of an experience. I had a lot in 2020 where it was like, normally I wouldn't make time for this game or I would tell myself I'd play it and I never get around to it. But in 2020, I played a lot of games like resident evil three, where it's like, normally I just wouldn't have, but, I got around to it. In fact, my number one pick is a game like that. So we'll get to that. But before we do, my number two pick is Red Dead Redemption 2. And this is kind of like, I think Red Dead Redemption 2 is my ultimate COVID game. You know, because actually Red Dead Redemption 2, I've been waiting. I was waiting. I was waiting. I was waiting for it to go on sale for like 30 bucks or something because I just knew Red Dead Redemption 2 was going to be one of those games where like I bought it. I started it. I liked it, but then I fell off because it's daunting and big and long and man I'm just so glad that that wasn't the case you know I finally jumped into Red Dead Redemption 2 hoping to love it scared that I wasn't going to be able to see it through to the end and it ended up coming out in this perfect week where like at the time my company had me working at the airport here in Orlando and that was like literally right when the pandemic started like really taking off and things started shutting down and it was like oh great I uh there's this massive pandemic that's like quickly spreading all around the globe and it's killing people and we don't know anything about it. Lucky for me, I work in one of the most busy international airports in the world. So I'm pretty safe here. Right. Uh, So I I remember like just being a little nervous about that. So like for that first week of like all that shit kind of just going down, I was like, Hey, I have a bunch of vacation days saved up that I'm never going to use because what's a fake, what's a, what's a fucking vacation. Uh, So let me just cash in like a week of vacation and just like, go home and get paid to just kind of wait it out and see what's going to happen. Like what, what the fuck is, how are people going to react to this thing? So I took a week off at the beginning of the pandemic with vacation time and just sat down and played the fuck out of red dead redemption too. And I, I ran through the game in a week's time and I got to admit, like I was just hooked on this game from start to finish. And that's so rare because I'm not normally a big open world fan. I'm not usually a massive rock star games fan. Although I really liked the first red dead redemption, But man, Red Dead Redemption 2, I will say, is the most next gen that the Xbox One generation ever felt to me. And I don't know, like, you know, the jump from like PS, like the jump from like Xbox to Xbox 360 felt big. The jump from like, you know, like N64 to Xbox felt big, you know, things like that. But the jump from Xbox 360 to Xbox One felt, you know, substantial, but not as big you know in terms of like the scope and scale and the capabilities of what gaming could offer but i think red dead redemption 2 was the most any xbox one game to me ever felt like oh this could have never been fucking done on an xbox 360 this is why next gen you know it's it's just such a massive impressive beautiful world but it's really like just how dynamic it is how alive it feels and i know those are such tired things that like you know like ign would say in a in a review for an open world video game but like it really is the truth like red dead redemption 2 is a world that truly feels like living and breathing you can just be riding your horse to a mission objective and like you know there's these they'll just be two random people talking and then they'll get into a gunfight and you can jump in and be a part of it or you can avoid it and it's just like there's just all these things that you can there's all these stories and events and just I don't know, personalities you could just stumble upon in Red Dead Redemption 2 that, you know, I don't feel like you get as much in other open world games. And it's just a really weird world that, aside from the fact that its story, its mainline story is so good, it's so compelling, it's so engaging, there's also this massive world surrounding it that's like kind of equally as interesting and engaging. And that's just not something I'm used to feeling about open world games. I usually feel like I'm so disconnected from how people feel about open world games because people are always saying things like that like oh the world feels so massive and it's so inviting there's so many things i want to do because it's so real and feels lived in it's like i never relate to when people say those kinds of things about an open world game but red dead redemption 2 was like the one exception to that rule and the fact that i had like a full week of just like Literally no obligations or responsibilities whatsoever other than just sitting on my fucking couch, playing this game with the exception of having to record a podcast on Wednesday night. And then in the back of my mind being like, I don't know what this pandemic thing is. Fuck that. It's probably it's probably just a scare that'll go away in, in a couple of days. Right. 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 And just like focusing on the game like that was that's one of my favorite moments of 2020, because it was like this. I don't know. It was this moment of like kind of like, oh, how cute you thought. Like maybe this would just come and go or maybe this wasn't wouldn't end up being as big a thing as people thought it was. And you were wrong, but at least you got a week off work and got to experience this masterpiece of a game. And it really is like there's like if this is this is how good Red Dead Redemption 2 is. If if I'm if I'm being like really critical, if you have to, if you are the guy in charge of that game and like some producer says, OK, for whatever reason, we have to trim this game by 30 percent. It's too long. I could point all the point I could point out all the points in the game where I'm like, this point's too long. This mission, this mission is unnecessary, it doesn't really serve the story that well. This character might as well not even exist. Like all of these points in the game are kind of a little drawn out and unnecessary and, and just bloat the game. There's so many points in the game where I could point to and say that about this game, but yet the storytelling is so good. The gameplay is is good enough along with it. And the characters are so believable and, and just intriguing that despite there being moments in the game like that, and but despite the game being so bloated and so long, I never felt like, well, I just wish this game didn't have that. I just wish they didn't have that part. And the only part of the game, if, if I even remotely feel that way, is the part, that short couple hours where you're on that other island. I won't spoil like anything else about that. But when you go to that island for a couple hours, that part's a little like tedious and hard. But honestly, for the most part, like there are so many other points in the game where I'm just like, was this part really necessary? Does this really develop the characters that much further or, or move the plot that much further or, or really add to this world that much more all that much more? And my response is like, yeah, I don't give a shit. I love that it was there because the game was so good. And I I almost like I can't really think of other games that make me feel that way. So I have to give Red Dead Redemption like an endless amount of credit and love for for offering that and being that game. And you know, like I said, I'm not a huge open world fan. I'm not a huge rockstar games fan, but red dead redemption two is one of the very best things in gaming history. I got, I got to say, like, if you want to prove to someone why gaming is a serious form of art, a serious method of storytelling, a serious, you know, discipline that, or a, a, I don't know, like just like something that has evolved far past the days of pong or Pac-Man or something like that. You show them red dead redemption two. Cause that's a, that's a masterpiece. Like When I see things like the Oscars and I see them trying to talk about all the shitty pandering Hollywood movies that have come out in the past year or whatever and then trying to give awards out, I'm just like, I'll be honest with you, Red Dead Redemption 2 is significantly better than any movie I've seen in a very long time. Like, it is a it is a way more compelling story and world and way better acting, way better characters. Just like, I don't know, to me, it's like way more my speed than anything I've seen at the theaters in, in quite a while. It's a, it is just some of the absolute like highest quality of storytelling I've, I've experienced in so long. And I, I really think, you know, the game gets obviously tons of credit for all those things and people love it for those reasons. And the game sold extraordinarily well and they made shit tons of money off of it. And it still has a, a somewhat thriving online community. But despite all of that, I, I could, I think you could make a case that this game still doesn't get enough love and respect. In fact, I know it doesn't because for some reason people like Grand Theft Auto more than Red Dead Redemption. If I'm being honest, man, Grand Theft Auto 5 doesn't hold a fucking candle to Red Dead Redemption 2. That's how good this game is, but that's just my opinion. I I really loved that game. And so you go, well, Jesse, you spoke so highly of Red Dead Redemption 2. Whatever could be in your number one spot if that was your number two. Well, you dumb idiot. And for the last time this year, I'll tell you. Yakuza 0. Fuck it. Yakuza 0 is by far my number one game of the year. This is a game that I should have never fallen in love with. Yakuza is the girl that's totally wrong for you, but totally right. And you can't say no. I downloaded this game out of pure boredom during like the lockdown and the pandemic and everything where I'm just like, I have extra time for gaming now and I want to make good use of game pass and look at Sega making an initiative to get more games on Xbox. And I love Sega, the publisher and I love Sonic, the goddamn hedgehog. And I want to support Sega playing nice with Xbox because I want to see more of this, so fuck it, let's download Yakuza, I'm pretty sure I won't give a shit about it, and I'll probably delete off my hard drive after 10 minutes, and I watched a video game Dunkey video on Yakuza, and I was like, oh look, even Yaku- even Donkey's making fun of the game, it's like, oh look, I love Donkey. I, I don't like Yakuza, and then I downloaded the game, I booted it up, and I was like, oh look at this fucking intro, some stupid little uh little Yakuza mafia thing, this is gonna be dumb, and then like like 15 minutes later, I'm just like, okay, wow, I'm still playing this, huh? And then it was like 30 minutes later, it's like, oh, look, I haven't shut off yet. And it got to a point where it's like two hours in, three hours in, I'm like, why the fuck am I still playing this game? Like, why have I not stopped playing this game? And then I just couldn't stop. And before I knew it, I was like 10, 15, 20 hours in. And it got to the point where I was just like, obsessed with these characters and obsessed with this plot and when you think about it, oh my fucking god especially now that I played more entries in the series it's like when you when you when you see when you're introduced to Manjima and his story and fucking Mokoto and his and his whole like romance with her his whole like thing for her and then how that doesn't pan out in the end and all the sad shit. I'm sorry if I just spoiled some of Yakuza and just starts making you like, Oh my God, it's, it's so sad. And you feel, you feel so sad for him and see like what, like the, the kind of character he becomes afterwards. And then San's story and, and all the shit he goes through with his, with his childhood and his, friend, brother, figure, person, and everything. And, and the gameplay's super fun. It's super arcade-y. The Yakuza is so awesome. I, I can't even speak about this game. Look at me. I'm just not even saying anything. Yakuza is so awesome because the the gameplay it's just like really stupid arcadey beat 'em up gameplay it's like you just pick like do you want to do like fast mode do you want to fight normal do you want to fight like a overpowered tank and then you go into the tank mode of course because you're not a fucking plebeian you say what the fuck does this mode look like and for some reason your yakuza guy starts like just smoking this yellow smoke all around his body because he's in beast mode and you just pick up a goddamn motorcycle off the side of the road rip it in half while you're wearing a, a three-piece a, a three-piece suit or tuxedo mind you and you just rip this motorcycle in half, which probably weighs like fucking like 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 nine hundred pounds or something, and you start swinging it around and whacking the shit out of fucking random yakuza thugs in the streets of of birdie Japan, like a goddamn maniac, and it's just insane. This game is so stupid, and it's so much fun. The gameplay is incredibly addicting, and the only thing that that matters more than that is the story, because the game is so Japanese in the fact that like you'll spend just as much time reading through dialogue, watching cutscenes, and it just storytelling, exposition, dialogue, whatever. You'll spend just as much time doing that as you'll spend actually playing the game, just like you would in any of those Final Fantasy weeby-ass Japanese games. But in Yakuza... It's so warranted and it's so welcome because every moment of dialogue is amazing and every moment of cutscene is amazing and every moment of gameplay is amazing. And the game understands the balance of the storytelling and the action and the drama so well that it's constantly you like, oh, okay, we're going a little heavy on the action. Okay, here's some storytelling. Okay, you're going a little heavy on the storytelling. Here's some, like, side stuff that's that doesn't even feel like side stuff because it's fun to do, and here's this, and now you're in this environment, but now you're in this environment, and the game is constantly making such amazing use of such a limited number of things it, it does because it is, it is like an open-world game to an extent, but it's kind of a small open-world game, and the series uses the same fucking open world over and over again for every game because they all take place in the same place from for the most part but the game just makes such great usage of that reused asset of that reused city and that it it never feels like oh we're playing here again or like oh i'm on my fourth yakuza game we're still in the same goddamn city the same goddamn world map it never feels like that just constantly is like they they make wonderful use of it and and the thing that makes yakuza super special is like especially if you're like me and you're just playing one after the other like this it's like you get to like game three and you're just like ah, uh, yeah, this character says I gotta go to this place to, to like, learn this information. It's like, I know that place because I've been going to that same shop since three games ago. And, like, you know the place, you know where it's located, you know what kind of stuff they sell, you know the people who work there. And it's like, Yakuza becomes, like, kind of like your second life. Like, like I... I've only lived here in Florida for, you know, about a year and a half now, and thankfully I have a job that moves me around the area enough that I've kind of learned the ins and outs of of Central Florida or, or the Orlando area, rather. And, you know, I'm grateful for that, but, you know, I've still only lived here a year and a half. There's a lot of where I live today that I just don't know because I lived in Atlanta, Georgia for like 20 years, and that was home and now i've lived here for like only a year or so and and i'm just i'm just trying to figure it out why do i bring this up because I've only been playing three goddamn Yakuza games so far, and I know the cities in Yakuza like my own fucking home. I know them the way I know Atlanta, Georgia. I know I can get anywhere. I don't fucking need directions. Put that Google Maps in your goddamn pocket and, 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 and let me do the driving, okay? Because in Yakuza, even though you don't actually drive in that game, I know how to navigate that city like it's my bitch. And that's because Yakuza builds a beautiful world that you want to explore, that you want to know, and it makes great use of its assets and of its buildings and of its locations. That makes you learn them and inherently get to know them the way these characters in this game would actually get to know them, because they be, these these locations become iconic. You know where you know where the park is, where the homeless people hang out, and you know where the bar is, where you used to go drinking with your with your brother before he died, and you know where the big club is, where. Mo- Majima used to work, and you know all the locations, you know, and of course you know where anyone who's ever played Yakuza knows how to get to Don Quixote's, which is the best store in the game, because let me let let you in on a little secret, all you Xbox gamers out there, if you go to Don Quixote's in Yakuza 0, only in Yakuza 0, which takes place in the 80s, Don Quixote sells Mountain Dew by the can, you can actually buy real Mountain Dew in Yakuza 0, but only at Don Quixote's. You got to get it there. It's amazing. It's refreshing. It's delicious. Kiru likes it. It's just the same as it is here in the States, but it's Japanese Mountain Dew. It's wonderful. Fast forward to any Yakuza game after that, when you play in the 90s and the 2000s, whatever, fuck you. Don Quixote's no longer has Mountain Dew in stock. And why do I know that? Because I know Yakuza, because the game makes me care about its locations, cares about its characters, cares... I care about its inventory in its virtual shops, because Yakuza is that great. And And... And this is just my way of saying, I don't really know how to articulate what makes this game so special, so let me just go off on these little anecdotes and tangents because I've grown to love Yakuza so goddamn much that I could just talk about it endlessly out of context forever and ever and ever, and I don't give a shit, you know, how many of you are turning off right now because they're like, I don't I don't know what he's saying. Because this game is just so goddamn good, and I'm so grateful for it. If anything, you know, Yakuza and in 2020 and Xbox, this has been the story of... Game Pass, of introducing gamers to new franchises and new gaming experiences and falling in love with with a totally new franchise and just a a year that's allowed me the time to invest in the series, a platform that's allowed me the opportunity to try new games I otherwise wouldn't normally play. And just, I don't know, like this combination of like Game Pass, Xbox, Xbox. Uh, Yakuza, COVID, <laughs> Sega, and, and Xbox kind of working together to get a lot of games on this platform. It's been this perfect concoction that's helped introduce me to what is now one of my all-time favorite gaming franchises. And it's just so odd that like, you know, all these weird events kind of lined up to make this just so that now, you know, never in my life would I have a picture that a game like Yakuza would be something I'd even give the, the time of day to. But it is now officially one of my absolute favorite franchises and I'm really looking forward to when the rest of the games in the series hit Xbox uh, in early 2021. So those are my top five games. Notice how I managed to spend like 30 minutes talking about them. But I only spent like, you know, one to three minutes on all your comments. Let's see who it really puts it in perspective who, who's uh whose opinions I value the most, huh? But uh, anyway, that's that. So now I want to jump into... I didn't expect this episode to be this long, but then again, I, what what do you expect from Xbox on? Right. But, um, like I said, this week, no normal run of show. We're just doing our thing. So I think the last segment I really want to do is like the notable moments of Xbox in 2020. This is good things. This is bad things. This is fun. This is frustrating, but these are just like moments in Xbox history that occurred in 2020 that I think kind of encapsulate what a long and full year this was for gaming in the world of Xbox altogether. So let's just kind of jump through these. And, and and there's so many more we could talk about, but these are just a couple I wanted to briefly discuss. And the first one is Microsoft buys Bethesda. So obviously we've talked about this at length and, and we won't jump into the whole Bethesda games will still come to PlayStation argument I like to have. But the fact that Microsoft bought Bethesda is just like... I know we're used to it now because it's been a few months and we've settled with the idea, but, like, that's fucking crazy, guys. Microsoft paid so much fucking money for Bethesda. They paid, like, more than twice what Disney paid for Star Wars to get Bethesda. And it's just like, I don't know, like, if someone's like, who do you think Microsoft might buy in 2020? You know, people would have their speculations like, oh man, they should buy they should buy Sega or something like that. You know, another one of those rumors. But like, no, Microsoft's like, uh, you guys like Elder Scrolls and Fallout? Like, yeah, we're just going to put absurd like end world hunger money out there to, to make Wolfenstein an Xbox game all of a sudden. And it's just, it was such like earth shattering, industry shattering news when it happened. And it was also like one of those big flexes where like, it's no coincidence that this is kind of getting announced like right around the time the consoles go up for pre-order and right before they come out and kind of gives Xbox that really good press and big big bombshell news story to have right before gamers are are met with the decision of like all right, which box am I buying, the Xbox Series X or the PS5. And I don't know, it's just this is such a crazy story to me still that this even happened and while obviously it's somewhat prematurely announced in, in the sense that we're not really going to See or feel the effects of this purchase for a while, really not in any substantial way. But you know they had to get it out there because how do you, how do you keep news like this under wraps? And also the marketing opportunity and the way it could help bolster the new consoles. It's just I don't know. I understand why they got out there as early as they did, but it's a little frustrating because there's so many unanswered questions as a result as a result of this acquisition. But we're going to be waiting a while to really learn much more about this. So. It's exciting, it's frustrating, it seems like such an out-of-left field move for Xbox in the in the sense that like, you know, remember, leading up to the acquisition of Xbox, they were they they purchased Obsidian, you know, they had they have InXile Exile and all these studios that are kind of here to make their own Bethesda Studios like games. You know, they they've announced Avowed and things like that. And and we got we got we got playground games working on Fable, and it's like, okay, Microsoft is kind of really leaning into the Western. RPG genre, and that's like kind of their thing that's really cool. And like, they're gonna have like their version of Bethesda's franchises and all this stuff. And then they're like, ah, fuck it, we're also buying Bethesda. It's like, I, I don't know, it's like that's like McDonald's being like, or that's like Burger King being like, oh, okay, the Big Mac's a really popular sandwich, where well, here's our competitor to the Big Mac. And it's like, oh, cool, I get it. Burger King's trying to compete with McDonald's. They're gonna have a sandwich that's similar to see, you know, which one the market prefers. It's like, oh, that's cute. And then two months later, Microsoft's or Burger King's just like, yeah, fuck it, we're not, we're not competing with with McDonald's. We're actually buying McDonald's. And then they they buy them. It's like, oh, okay, are you competing with them? or Are you acquiring them? Like, what, what is this? I don't know. There's it just, it's such a weird thought that it seemed like Microsoft was setting up the the cards and and in the pawns in in such a way that they were trying to really lean into kind of the games that made microsoft big you know like uh, first person shooters and third per- or first person shooters and western rpgs like these are the games that kind of find the earlier days of xbox and we're really playing into that and so here are our kind of Bethesda-like games, and then they just go ahead and buy Bethesda, so Microsoft is going to overwhelmingly become the premier place to play not only first-person shooters, as I think it already is, uh, but now also for these big open-world Western RPG games, and I think that's a deadly combination, like, I know people like to say, like, oh, you know... PlayStation's got such a amazing library of these first per- these first party games that are all like these third person action, amazing storytelling games. But like, I gotta be honest with you, man. Like, I vastly prefer like first person shooters over that. And I think the combination of first person shooters plus massive open world action role playing Western games like this is gonna be a lot more, or in general, at least on paper, is more enticing. Because like, what what do people love more, like Days Gone or fucking Fallout 3, you know? It's like I don't know, just like kind of comparing the two, it's like I I mean, obviously PlayStation has its heavy hitters and their games sell really really well, but like fuck, Microsoft is poised to have a phenomenal first-party lineup if they just get the cadence right. And that's still in my opinion Microsoft's number one biggest miss is they cannot for the life of them figure out and and hit this cadence of like good first party releases like this year they hit an amazing cadence of releases and it just was the wrong kind of cadence it was like all smaller games no you know they didn't it wasn't like halo with battletoads it was like small game small game small game small game so if they can just finally figure out that cadence which i think they're gonna do but again i really expected by 2020 would be when we start to really see that happen but I guess not, and and maybe COVID fucked that up. You know, Maybe with their launch of Halo Infinite this fall, that was supposed to be the beginning of it, but I understand things changed, but here's hoping, man. The next thing, speaking of Halo, is the Halo Infinite reveal is the next thing I have here. Speaking of things I'm kind of tired of talking about, it's just I'm so excited about Halo Infinite, and I was so disheartened to see that the reveal of this game ended up being so much memeing and negativity and disappointment because like i'm not gonna be that blind of a fanboy like it's you know enough time is settled that like let's be honest about this like I, i watched the same video yes i noticed the game needed some work in the visuals department um like obviously the graphics were good but not up to snuff with like next gen xbox series x full advantage super powerful best console ever made kind of tier and and yeah, the game looked a little rough in places, and looked like it had some work work to do, but I don't really care, because I know eventually that was something that was going to be addressed, like, to me, all I cared about was, like, does this look like Halo, Does is this, like, what I want to play, does this look fun, and in that sense, I think the Halo Infinite reveal delivered on all of those fucking notes, the intro was so cool, the way, like, the kind of relationship between like between the pilot and master chief is and like the way master chief kind of talks to him he's just so quiet and everything he says he says so few words but everything he says says so much and reveals so much and It's just, like, so... He's just so, like, mission-focused. He's just... He's so Master Chief. Like, they just nailed it. Like, that intro is so, so good. And then the gameplay looks phenomenal. The banish looks so cool. Like, just the fact that they're the guys we're gonna fight. All the new weapons they show look so cool. The grappling hook looks amazing. Open world Halo, I'm so excited for. Like, I was just so incredibly overjoyed and pleased with this reveal. But it, it just was so disheartening to see it be like, of course, we can't just... You know, in a year where we're just constantly seeing so many people die of this fucking pandemic and we can't do anything and everyone's losing their jobs and being poor while our governments try to fucking kill us all. You know, it's like we couldn't come together for one fucking moment and just appreciate how fun this new Halo looks and how in the spirit of Halo this new Halo looks. We just had to meme on this unfinished texture or facial animation of a fucking brute and... Now that's kind of like the permanent stain that's left on this game, and so so frustrating to me. But I don't know. Like I, I understand, you know, they they needed some heavy feedback like that to an extent to help send the message, like, hey guys, get this game right. Don't just get it out the door. Make sure you get it right. So I'm happy it got its full year delay. I'm happy the the kind of reaction from 343 was like, yeah, we're gonna put in all the work into making this super polished. But I'm super disappointed to see that it also kind of seems like a story of like bending the knee to the fucking cucky fanboys, which I talked about at length on the show before, but it's just, I I fucking hate it. I, I just, I want to see a world where like companies and creatives and, and, and people in general can just kind of have more of a backbone and more of a personal identity. And there can be less of like this corporate, this corporate culture of like, we have to constantly bend over backwards to make people happy. So they love us and give us money. It's like, I think, I think corporations and companies and just money people in general just vastly underestimate the power of like of like really good I don't know just transparency and honesty and just straight shooting and just being real I'm not talking about like old Microsoft you know we have a console that doesn't always have to be online it's called the Xbox 360 I'm not talking about insulting your audience I'm talking about just being real like being like hey guys this is our fucking vision for this game. This is our vision for this franchise. This is why we believe it. We understand a lot of people feel like this, but let me explain to you why we see it like this. And just like stick to your fucking guns and have a vision and, and talk to your audience and be like, shut the fuck up. Like, you don't understand how these things work. I, I don't know. You I, know, I know I understand the old adage where it's like, if if you have to argue, you've already lost the conversation or something like that. Or however that goes. But like I don't I don't fucking know. I just I wish we lived in more of a world where like the consumer, like these these just stupid entitled consumers had had less of, I don't know, had their voices had less of an impact on creative vision. And I know it sounds kind of weird. It's like, well, wha- watch what you're saying there. What are, you, what are you saying? You wish consumers had less power and that corporations had more power? No, I just, I, I, I wish that corporate, actually quite the opposite. I wish that corporations weren't and businesses weren't so, obsessed with protecting their like, we listen and we value your feedback kind of bullshit corporate culture. I wish they didn't value that stuff so much and embraced, you know, what the value in allowing something to be polarizing and allowing your creatives to explain their intent and, and why they made changes and why things are the way they are rather than just being like oh man people are totally ripping on us and sending us debt threats and and constantly shitting on this thing we made and worked really hard on let's put a blog post out that just talks about how much we love our fans and really want to make them happy in this next game it's like no fuck those guys man like tell them why you did what you did stick to your guns and. I don't know that that's just Halo Infinite is just the latest example in a long line of things that, that have made me feel this way. And I don't know, in in general, it's just I wish people just had more opportunity to or, or creatives had more of a platform to just explain themselves and, and stand behind the decisions they make rather than having to feel like they have to kowtow and, and, and kiss the asses of all the little entitled pimple faced brats that shit on everything they do. Uh, but anyway, That's the Halo Infinite reveal. Still so goddamn excited about that game. I mostly walked away from it really satisfied with everything I'd seen. I just uh, am a little disappointed by what the conversation surrounding the game kind of became, but oh well. I know at the end of it all, there's a really exciting Halo game for me to play, whether other people decide to give it a fair shake or not. And then next... I think one notable moment in Xbox history this year that I think kind of got largely forgotten, and I'm not completely surprised why it did. But one that I want to mention is is the the fall of Mixer uh, when Microsoft announced late this summer that surprise announced fuck Mixer, we're we're shutting it down, we're going all in on Facebook Gaming, so and everyone was like well fuck facebook gaming so everyone jumped ship to twitch or youtube yeah this one this one hit me a little bit as someone who doesn't stream at all and doesn't really watch a lot of streaming content like game sh- like twitch or mixer game streaming content i got to still say like mixer was the one i really liked i really i i was always um uh, mixer had that very microsoft service kind of thing to it it's it was like windows phone it was like zoom music pass it was like any of those things where it's just like I know people don't give a shit about this. I know people don't really care, and it's not really all that popular. But I'm just kind of sitting here in the corner rooting for it, hoping it does well. And you know, they they uh, seemed like they just threw some money at it, you know, the year prior, but in all the wrong ways by just trying to get people like Ninja and stuff to be on Mixer. And now that it's kind of all the dust is settled, and it's all in the past. It's so weird to look back on that and be like, really, that's what they did? It's just, and, and then the stories came out about kind of the culture at Mixer and the way people were being treated and some of the bigotry and and racism apparently that was being spread around there. And it just seems like it was a really fucking awful place to work. And, and like, you know, Mixer was probably something that was really cool and really special in its infancy back in the beam days. Uh, But then once it, you know, it turned to Mixer and kind of became this thing that was left into the corner run by a skeleton crew and never really given the proper resources to be what it could have been. And so, you know, it it goes into that graveyard of failed Microsoft products and services, unfortunately, but I'll always remember the good memories with it, always kind of liking that Microsoft had their own kind of Twitch competitor integrated into the Xbox. It was their thing. It wasn't very popular, but I loved it anyway and made the most of it while it was around. So, seeing it seeing it leave was the end of an era. You know, I'm I'm still very very used to at this these this point pretty numb to Microsoft just constantly killing off everything I enjoy. But nonetheless, it still was a shock and a disappointment when Mixer bit the dust earlier this year. So that's one Xbox moment for sure I wanted to call attention to. And then the next one is the kind of next-gen lead-up and everything. Just kind of, I don't know, like when the Xbox Series X was formally announced last, last year at the Game Awards, you know, at the very end of 2019 it was like whoa how ballsy microsoft came out the gate swinging and people were like okay this box is kind of cool you know there's some memeing there was some what looks like a refrigerator kind of shit going on but like for the most part it seemed like people were like wow cool good for microsoft they got it out there and then they just kept like this cadence of like teases new info like this is what we're gonna do this is what how we're branding backwards compatibility this is how this is what quick resume is and they just kept drip feeding new information on the Xbox Series X and then they had these these presentations in the summer and all this stuff and they had such a good lead up from announcement to console launch with the Xbox Series X. I think for the most part Microsoft really nailed the marketing uh, marketing kind of strategy up to this for the most part, but to an extent, you know, now that the consoles are out, I almost think what what happened was they kind of over-marketed and over-hyped up some of this stuff a little bit because at the end of the day, you know, Xbox Series X, much like PlayStation 5, launched in this kind of weird time where, like, neither of these companies can make nearly enough units to meet demand and not like the normal kind of next-gen console launch story where, like, oh, well demand is so high they can't keep up with demand it's like no they literally cannot manufacture the way they normally do components are short the economies the world economies are kind of shit right now people are really struggling financially not a lot of people can get their hands on these things it's kind of these consoles just kind of launched in a weird in a weird time and place where it's just like they were just hyping all this shit but the box once you really get your hands on it is like cool and exciting and does really neat stuff, but isn't the most, like, quantum leap in, in console generations that that there's been before. So, like, for a lot of people, it's like, yeah, just hang on to your Xbox One for a while longer. Like, no no real need to jump in immediately right now, and, and Halo got delayed anyway, which was, like, a massive blow to them that's, like, their killer app. Their one thing that was like, oh, you gotta get it day one, you gotta play this, slipped through the cracks by another year, and it's just... It just seemed like they were on such a good track record there or such a good track that from the moment they announced it through most of 2020 and then kind of at the end there, it just started to fall apart. I think that's what a lot of the Bethesda news was about was like, hey, Halo got delayed, but here's an announcement while not, you know, a big news flashy game that they're going to be able to play right now. Um, definitely gets shit tons of hype surrounding a specific platform and so I think that was the benefit and the purpose of the premature Bethesda announcement but I don't know I just that's one of those moments for me where I remember like this lead up it was like I think Xbox is in a position where they can really make up a lot of lost ground from the last generation they can really be a lot more competitive with Sony this time you know we have a very mature Sony we have a very mature Xbox I think that we can see them kind of go neck and neck and and really get half and half the market. I'm sure PlayStation will still win no matter what, but I think Xbox can pull it a lot closer this time than they did last time. But now the consoles are out. I'm starting to really think that's not that's not the case. It really just seems like no matter what, people are just like, yeah, PS5, fuck Xbox because it's Xbox. And, you know, the pre-order nightmares surrounding these things didn't help really all that much. But one thing and I kind of wrote this as a second point, but we can kind of segue into this. One thing I, I find kind of crazy about this is how, you know, Microsoft tried so hard with the Xbox marketing this year to be like, yeah, well, it's the next-gen console, but we're not leaving behind the old players and only taking forward the new players. Like, if you have an old Xbox, we're still supporting you. Our games are still forwards and backwards compatible compatible all around. You know, Xbox One players are still going to be gaming the same games that Xbox Series X owners are going to be playing into the coming years and We're we're just trying to make an open ecosystem where everyone can play, regardless of what hardware they have or what access they have or how they play. You know, we're just trying to make this open, really friendly ecosystem, whether it be PC, cloud streaming, console, new console, old console, whatever. This is Xbox. It's a platform and you can play it at the price point that works for you on the platform that works for you, however it works for you. And PlayStation was just so polar opposite of that, where they're like, no, 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 we believe in generations. Fuck PlayStation 4, PlayStation 4's ending, PlayStation Five is coming in, fuck backwards compatibility, buy new games, $70, thank you very much. And it, they, they, you know, not to shit on PlayStation, but they, they both just took such different approaches to this that it was like so shocking to see when PlayStation just kind of actually backpedaled a little bit or maybe lied because... You know, internally at PlayStation, they knew games like the new Horizon Zero Dawn game or the new Spider-Man Miles Morales game. They knew those were coming to PS4 when they were starting the marketing train for PS5. So the fact that they kind of marketed this console as like the next console and the old one start the new one. But now they're like, yeah, a lot of our new games are going to be on PS4 also. Like I literally just got through playing Spider-Man Miles Morales on my PS4. And I'm just sitting here like, I think these consoles ended up being a lot more alike than they, than they, they, I don't know, than maybe they wanted us to think, you know, at least with the way they were marketing over at PlayStation. Because at the end of the day, PS4 is actually getting quite a bit of support for the foreseeable future. And PlayStation 5 ended up having a decent amount of backwards compatibility options, at least with PS4. And it just seems like at the end of the day, PlayStation just kind of marketed it as like one thing and ended up just kind of doing what Xbox was going to do anyway, and still ended up coming on top, you know, still, regardless of that kind of botched messaging, and in some cases, straight up lying to their audience, still kind of came up, like, on top with it all, because, you know, everyone was like, wow, Xbox is, like, really coming out, showing everything, talking about their new console, PlayStation's kind of hiding, like, what's going on with them, and then PlayStation finally talked when they decided they wanted to talk, and then they still had the console that more people gave a shit about. Because, I mean, just listen anecdotally. Anyone who's talking about video games this holiday season has been like, gotta find that PS5, PS5, PS5. No one, outside the Xbox community, I don't see anyone talking about the Xbox Series X or Series S, but I, I mean, all the consoles are gonna sell great, but I just found that interesting how Microsoft tried so hard with the marketing and the launch lead up and everything to really get it right this time, and they still weren't, able to really make a big dent it just seems like playstation still by default just got the win because their playstation despite you know kind of ended up doing what microsoft said they were going to do betraying their original marketing strategy and to some extent doing it worse you know with less backwards compatibility and not game pass and uh more expensive games and things like that um but i, I don't know i just that's that's one this comparison of Consoles leading up to the launch, and now and, and no disrespect to PlayStation, like I want a PS5. I'm sure PS5 is phenomenal. I, I really like to play one and try one, but I just find that really interesting that that happened. <laughs> and then my final one I wrote down here, you know, other than Cyberpunk, if you want to talk about that, but I don't. Are the the many many quietly released first party Xbox games this year that just kind of came and went, and no one really talked about or gave a shit about Bleeding Edge, Wasteland Three, Minecraft Dungeons. Flight Simulator, Battletoads, Gears Tactics, Gears 5 Hive Hivebusters, all these games. These games just kind of, like, Microsoft just nailed this cadence of, like, having games come out consistently throughout the year. They released a lot of fucking games this year. And I know Wasteland 3, due to contractual obligations, still came to PS5, PS4 ps and everything, but that's because, you know, they bought in exile while the game was already promise to other platforms and in development and everything but still microsoft had this cadence of all these first party games all these xbox games and and they just still for whatever reason with all these games they weren't able to make a meaningful dent i think the biggest ones of these games are minecraft dungeons and flight simulator for sure but even then like they're both like big but like niche big it feels like it, it even minecraft like with with a name as powerful as minecraft they still it still doesn't seem like minecraft dungeons lit the world on fire like it doesn't seem like the massive Minecraft fan base all jumped onto Minecraft Dungeons. It seemed like, I don't know, it just kind of came, a decent amount of people played it, and then that's that, you know? No big talk. And it's just crazy to me that for whatever reason, like Microsoft just can't, they just cannot get that cadence, right? Like if they had this, if they had this interspersed mix of like halo infinite and battle toads and gears of war six and Forza and flight simulator. And like this nice mix of like niche and big games and small games and all that. It's like, that'd be a different story, but you can't, I, it's like, they almost just tried to make up for the fact that they didn't have big tentpole games by being like, here's a lot of smaller games that hopefully make up for it. And at the end of the day, while these are great games, and I'm really glad glad that we got you know, most of these games here really I, I enjoy quite a bit, with the exception of like Bleeding Edge. I, I don't know, like I'm I'm really grateful for them, but this doesn't move the needle in the way, you know, having a Halo Infinite, having a fable, having an avowed or something like that would would do, and they just they just didn't have it. So hopefully we're finally nearing the end of this era of Microsoft where they just can't figure out that cadence and get it right. But, you know, until we know, we'll never know. So I think it's going to be at least another year or two. But here's hoping 2021 is where we start to see things turn around, particularly with the launch of Halo Infinite. All right, guys. And with that, that is all I had for our fun holiday special of retrospective moments and games from 2020 that we enjoyed. I really appreciate you guys all writing in and being a part of this. I do want to close out uh, this week by going through just a small handful of comments uh, just regular comments unrelated to the topic at hand about games and, and we played this year because, you know, 2020 was a big year for Xbox On. This is a podcast I started in the summer of 2019, and I, I, I didn't know. I knew I was disciplined and dedicated enough to do this show weekly, uh, but I had no clue. Like I, I was like, there's a possibility I do the show for like four years and maybe get like 70 to 100 listeners, and I just had no idea what to expect with this show, but... The fact that mostly throughout 2020, and I think largely thanks to this pandemic, unfortunately, th- this show has grown a, a ton, and it, it kind of blows my mind. I look at like the Spotify statistics and things like that, and there are thousands of people who have listened to this show, and you know, regularly it's a it's it's a couple hundred, but like I, man, I don't I don't care. Like it's it's so humbling <laughs> to think that anyone listens to this show or finds enough enjoyment out of it to make a regular routine out of being a part of this, and, and the fact that you guys ride in. And, and and help discuss and and leave your silly comments and banter with me and allow me to blatantly insult the shit out of you on the show for your fast food opinions means the world to me because this is this is what makes the show Xbox On's been around for about a year and a half now but has really only come into its own in the past ten months or so and I'm I'm really really grateful to everyone who's helped be a part of this and listen whether you've listened to it once listened to every episode never commented or commented often. I don't care. Like, thank you so much for supporting the show. So I just want to kind of round out the final episode of 2020 by just reading some general comments that you guys wrote on last week's episode. It's my favorite thing about the show more than anything. I I love hearing from you guys and being stupid and insulting your comments and having you come back and say what you guys say. And it's just, it's my favorite part of the show. It's really, honestly, it's a lot of, a lot of like where, That part of my life that was filled by like a social life when I was younger, having more friends, you know, being, having more free time to do things like a lot of that, that part of my life where there's kind of like that void now that I'm a little older, I'm a little more strapped for time with, you know, my job, my relationship, living in a new place where I don't know as many people. A lot of that part of my life where that was once filled by more social activities and more friends and stuff has been filled by you guys in this podcast and It's a little corny to say, but like, I don't know, like it feels like sometimes I'm like, I don't I don't really give a shit about going out and hanging out with people. And like when my coworkers want to do stuff, a lot of times I'm like, "Eh, eh, I'm good. I don't really want to go out and do anything like I'm happy to just go home and play my game and I'll get my social fix on Thursday when the podcast goes live and people start commenting in and we start having the conversation. So that's kind of like the fun for me. That's kind of like my social life these days is, is my relationship with my girlfriend in this podcast. And if anything, that's yet another 2020 story where, you know, a lot of people are separated and and can't physically be together with friends and things like that. But I think having this podcast and having a platform where we can all comment in and 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 shoot shit and, and insult one another and play around like this has kind of been a way to, I don't know, have have social contact and have community in a time where we're supposed to be stopping the spread and going out less often and staying at home whenever possible and all these things that make the world feel a little lonelier than it did a year ago. So I don't know. That's a really mushy thing to say, I know. It's probably nothing you haven't heard before from some other podcast, but it doesn't mean it's any less true for me, and I just wanted to say that to you guys. Thank you so much for making 2020 a really fulfilling year from from the standpoint of my creative project, which is, you know, Xbox On is like the only creative thing I do other than maybe take dumps in the toilet. That's pretty much all I produce is, is craps in this podcast. But I don't know. It's been really fulfilling doing it because when you guys comment, when you guys listen... It lets me know that there's someone there on the other end, and that's a lot more. I, I don't know. That's that's more. That's more like positive reinforcement and and um and just affirmation that you know I'm doing something right and that this is worth doing when I know you guys are there on the other side being a part of it. So thank you so much, guys. And so let's quickly change the tone and get really raunchy and stupid again with our final few comments of the week. First one comes from X Burke, who says. Just discovered your podcast searching for Xbox shows on Spotify. Absolutely love it so far. I can't really put into words, but there is something about your BS commentary that strikes me as refreshing in this oversaturated genre. Also helps that you made me laugh a ton. Thank you and keep being yourself. It works. Thank you so much, um, X-Burk, for writing in with that comment. That's, I think, the perfect comment that kind of encapsulates everything I love about the show as you guys stroke my ego. But no, all joking aside, but I, I, I appreciate especially what you say there about you know something about the bs comment commentary strikes me as refreshing in this oversaturated genre i knew going into making this show that xbox on was yet another gaming podcast in a sea of billions of podcasts about video games and yet another xbox podcast in a sea of podcasts hosted by far more respectable and notable people in the industry you know you got major nelson's podcast which is hosted by like the guy at xbox and then you got the ign show podcast unlocked hosted by you know like xbox ign veterans and xbox um industry or sorry video game industry uh, xbox specific experts and then you got like i think kind of funny recently just did a short run of xbox podcast that kind of came and went but people seem to really like that i never listened to it but it looks like it was pretty popular and well liked and you know when i see these things and i'm aware that these other shows exist i just think to myself i'm like I, there are people who opt to listen to my show in conjunction to those shows as well and that's kind of weird because i'm like for an hour a week these guys are listening to IGN's Xbox podcast or kind of funny's Xbox podcast and getting like genuine like commentary on news and insight into an industry that they love and then they're listening to my podcast for like 1 to 2 hours listening to me talk about McDonald's versus Burger King and Taco Bell special items that need to come back to the menu and then I tell them somehow that that's an Xbox podcast and that's that's crazy to me so I appreciate that comment and uh I appreciate you listening and just being a part of this uh the show next Lethal Migraine says TGI Fridays seriously I haven't eaten there in years why because I demand quality uh well Lethal Migraine more like TGI get the fuck out of my comment section with that kind of hate speech because TGI Fridays is one of my all-time favorite restaurants, unironically, and I will defend it to the ends of the earth. And honestly, I will find where you live and and end you if you like. It's one thing when you talk shit about Halo or Taco Bell, you're just being cute. But TGI Fridays isn't big like Halo. It isn't big like Taco Bell. TGI Fridays is a struggling family restaurant that is being, according to this article, being killed by millennials. And we got to go out of our way to protect TGI Fridays. It's precious. It is vulnerable And it is in a precarious situation where we can turn the tides around by mobile ordering and picking up at the TGI Fridays, which is now selling the new Rainbow Cake, which I haven't tried yet, but I keep seeing on the app. Sam Torres says, shit, I didn't get an Xbox Series X for Christmas. Burn the world down. Kidding. Didn't get one, but Merry Christmas. Love the intro. You don't take weeks off because you know Xbox On fans would riot, knock down statues, and rent muscle cars that we can't afford. Not entirely sure what that means, but I love it anyway. Thank you. Jay says, thanks for indulging the Aussie fast food stuff uh stuff. Last week it was a pleasant surprise. There was no need for you to do it, but it was immensely appreciated. Hope you didn't lose any listeners. Ha ha ha. Jay, if we lost any listeners because they couldn't under they couldn't handle us. Going through your list of Australian fast food restaurants, fuck them. This is this is important shit. You can't tell me you can't tell me you're a big fan of the OG Xbox that you were there playing Crackdown and blinks the time sweeping cat or whatever you know back in the day, and then also tell me you're not extremely interested in Jay's top chicken tender fast food restaurant in all of Australia. I don't I don't want to fucking hear it. Okay, I'm glad to do it. I had a lot of fun doing it, and I appreciate you writing it with that list. It was fun to go through. You also say, oh, and yes, we don't have Burger King. Only Hungry Jack's. I had Burger King in the UK, and it was pretty much the same as Hungry Jack's. Uh, Nando's is awesome, my favorite chicken place. As for the number of places with tables, etc., you still have to go up to the counter and order your food and then stand and wait around for it so they don't come to your table. We're still far from being cultured. Well, it's good to see that there in Australia, you guys still know what's up. You're not doing that weird Chick-fil-A shit we do here in the States where some fucking minimum wage working 17-year-old pimple-faced motherfucker comes up to you and says... Would you like a refill of your sweet tea that's 99% sugar and 1% tea? And you're like, ah, oh, this is uncomfortable. I just want to drink this milkshake and eat this large fry all by myself and not feel weird. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Lethal migraines. S- cheers, chimes, chimes in, says Nando's has great peri-peri sauce and you can buy it at Walmart. So this is really, this is really game changing because now I've got to buy this sauce at Walmart go home and use it and pretend I'm eating at an Australian fast food restaurant in the middle of a pandemic where I can't travel. So I, I appreciate the insider tip, the pro tip here, of course, maybe you have to see what that tastes like on some fucking Tostino's pizza rolls or something. I don't know. Lethal Migraine also says Burger King bought Tim Hortons. So on paper, Burger King headquarters could be in Canada for the lower tax rates. And, and actually, I think that's exactly what happened. I think you're right. Lethal Migraine. Adam Ziso, Ose's motto. I'm so sorry. I I don't want to butcher your name. Says, uh, Merry Christmas, Caroline, or is it Carol? I'm from Germany. Every year is from 2017 doing pizzas for christmas or i order it something different i think what what you mean is that every year for christmas you order a pizza that's kind of your tradition that's 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 a good tradition you say yesterday i tried kiwami yakuza kiwami how is how cool is this series feeling connection to the characters like a good anime that's exactly right man yakuza fan number 732 right here we're we're small but passionate fan base and then you say finally what about burger king it's messy but overall not bad not at all there was a Germany breakfast burger. It was kind of like the Bacon King, but with tomatoes, an egg patty, and more mayo. That that sounds phenomenal. I wish I could try that burger. A breakfast burger with egg, tomato, and mayo, and I assume it also had like bacon and cheese and all that shit because it's Burger King. But that sounds phenomenal. I'm uh, very much into that. I would love to try that sandwich. Maybe I'll have to go to Germany. If it's still there. And then Wes H says, my wife got me a series X for Christmas. Super excited about it. As a guy who only played uh, Madden 2K Elder Scrolls growing up, I'm about to dive into some Master Chief collection. Never have before. On to the important stuff. The McRib is the best item at McDonald's. I'm not sure if McDonald's is overrated or underrated now. Taco Bell is objectively the best fast food restaurant, and it's not even close. Cookout is probably the second. Chick-fil-A and Bojangles are also great choices. As a North Carolinian, Sun drop is the best soda, not a huge Pepsi or Coke guy, although Diet Coke is good, and I will die on that hill. Arby's does indeed have the meats, and Burger King shouldn't be allowed to serve food. Thanks for all you do. Well, Wes, I am extremely conflicted by this comment because I agree with a lot of it. First of all, congrats on your Xbox Series X. I hope you're enjoying it and that the Master Chief Collection treats you very well because you're about to experience Halo 3 for the first time. And that's uh, that's something you only get to do once. So I hope I hope you shed some tears. Oh, because it's a a phenomenal experience, and you're in for quite the ride. Now, the McRib is not the best item at McDonald's, simply put. We've already talked about this. The best best item at McDonald's is either the double cheeseburger or the quarter pounder, but it's definitely not the McRib. And then you say Taco Bell is objectively the best fast food restaurant. Very correct. We're going to give you a point there. And then you say Cookout is probably second. Not correct. Cookout is pretty good, but it's not even close to second. And that's kind of a really... It's funny you mention that because I don't think... Very many of our listeners are going to know what the fuck cookout is since it's only in like, I think it's only in like North Carolina, which is where it's from. It's in South Carolina. I don't know. Is it in Alabama or Tennessee. I know it's in Georgia because that's where I'm from and we, I had it all the fucking time but cookouts pretty niche. It's in like some parts of the Southeast and that's about it. It's not even here in Florida where I live. And I'm pretty sad cause I, I miss it a little bit, but no cookouts, not number number two cookouts. Like on the top 20 best fast food restaurant cookouts, main attraction is its convenience and its price, not its food, but whatever. Agree to disagree. You say Chick-fil-A and Bojangles are great choices. I'll agree with that, especially Bojangles. I love that place. Also, we don't have that here and I miss it. You say sun drop is the best soda. You are incorrect. Can't you just like fucking cheer wine or something like that? Isn't that from North Carolina? You fucking creep. And then you don't like Pepsi or Coke, which but you do like Diet Coke and that makes me really uncomfortable. That's a little bit of a psychopath thing to do. I would I, I really hope you never make children because I'm very worried for them. If that's the kind of family they're born into where sun drop and diet Coke are acceptable, but Pepsi, Pepsi and in fucking McDonald's quarter pounders aren't seen as like top tier food. What, what is this now? As far as Burger King, not being allowed to order uh, to serve food. I kind of agree with you. Burger King really fucks up with the quality all the time. I want to love them, but they, they make it so hard to love, but thank you for writing. in nonetheless, and then our final comment comes a final comment of the year. Comes from Eddie Lawson, who says, "Hey, longtime Spotify listener, first-time commenter. I recently got a- an eggnog milkshake at cookout. It's actually not bad. If you tried it, what did you think?" So a lot of things here, Eddie. I like to. Re- I wanted to read your comment last because you're a new listener first-time commenter, or sorry, first-time commenter, long-time listener, and I thought that'd be cool to end on someone new. I find it really coincidental that two people in the audience this week mentioned Cookout, and it's such a niche, rush or such a, it's such a localized kind of chain that not many people probably know about this place, so what a, what a coincidence there. Now, like I said, now that I'm in Florida, we don't have Cookout, because I guess God hates me, um, but I haven't had a cookout since I left Georgia all that time ago back in, oh, what was it, 2019? And I gotta say, when I used to go to cookout, I would never get milkshakes. I've had them once or twice, but I wouldn't get them because I would go to cookout after my my shifts at the restaurant when I was a waiter because I, I I worked like a mile away from a, a cookout at one of my restaurant jobs. And so I would go there at like 1, 2 a.m. after a long night of work. So like I, I'd always look at the long milkshake list. And for those who've never been to cookout or don't know what it is, cookout has like a list of milkshakes It's like what is it's like they have like 50 fucking flavors they have a billion goddamn flavors of milkshakes and unlike mcdonald's their milkshake machine isn't broken 24 7 you can order them whenever and they're open like practically 24 hours so it's awesome yeah i never got really the the milkshakes because i'd get there like 2 a.m after a long saturday night shift at the uh at the old kona grill where i was working at the time and i'd be like man i just want to go home and play halo 5 or whatever because it's 2015 uh but when i got to cook out i'd be like man milkshake sounds good but also milkshake at 2 a.m sounds like a really fucking stupid idea so i'd go for some sheer wine and i get the five dollar lunch tray box i'd get the burger with cheese i'd load it up get the lettuce onions tomatoes pickles all that good shit and then for the sides for the sides i'd always get usually what i get for the sides is like i just double up chicken quesadilla But sometimes I get chicken quesadilla and chicken nuggets, or sometimes I get chicken quesadilla and hush puppies. Their hush puppies are good. Man, I miss cookout. Why are we talking about this? You make me so sad. But thank you for writing in. I've not had the eggnog milkshake, but I don't doubt it that it's good because I have had, I think, blueberry cheesecake once or is what I had. That was good. But no, I have not tried the eggnog milkshake to make Your very, very simple, straightforward question, a very long and convoluted one. And with that said, that is going to do it for not only this episode, but for all of Xbox On in 2020. We will see you guys in 2021. Thank you so much again for anyone who's listened to the show in any capacity throughout the year. It's been a really, really, really shitty year, but this show has been a lot of fun to make. And hopefully for you guys, it's been fun to be a part of in any capacity and... Hopefully we can continue to have a lot of fun with the show and grow it and do new things with it in the following year. And hopefully in the next year can just be a lot less shitty. And uh, I think it's about Xbox. So maybe I should end by saying, hopefully 2021 is a really great year for Xbox and for all of us. Therefore, as Xbox fans, it is the year of Halo Infinite. That's all I got to say. We're going to leave on that. Uh, someone's going to play us out with a song, probably count Scott Hila, but 2021 baby, let's play some goddamn Halo Infinite. Oh, power your dreams.